0: doing frozen from the head down i know i know welcome uh welcome to swerve church and happy new year so glad that you guys chose to spend your new year with us here in church there's no better place um to be before the festivity before whatever it is if you watch the ball drop on on tv or you spend um you spend the night with uh with the family counting down till midnight but it's always good to be able to come here with the church family and spend some time in god's presence and thanking him for all that he's done in the past year. As you guys can see from that video, um, 2017 was an amazing, amazing year. I want to thank you guys for being a part of it because you guys really are the ones that have made it happen. And we're just thanking God for all that he's uh, that He's done in this past year. I want to I start off with something super practical. Um, and basically, I've had several conversations with some people, right? And I've been telling them to, to do this thing. And it's a good chance that if I've spoken with you one-on-one, um, there's probably a good chance that I told you to do this, okay? Um, I think it's a great exercise to help us reflect on 2017 and maybe even help us plan for 2018. So what I want to encourage you to do is during the week sometime, you know, grab a, grab a sheet of paper and a pen or something. And when you're at home, whenever you have some free time, and I want you to think about these three questions and jot down answers for these three questions. Now, this is just an exercise. There's no verse for this, okay? I can't give you a verse for what I'm about to tell you. It's simply an exercise that I would love for everybody here to, um, to do this week sometime. Um, the first question I want you to think about is what went well in 2017? What were some great things that you can celebrate? What were some awesome things that happened in 2017? Now, it can be in your family. It can be professionally. Um, it could be ministry-wise or church-related. What, what were some of the wins that you experienced? in 2017. The second question is, what were some of the challenges in 2017? What were some of the difficult times? What were some of the trying moments? What were some of the hardships? Maybe what what were some of the failures that you experienced in 2017? Jot those down as well. And here's the last thing. What do you need to do to make 2018 your best year yet? What do you need to do to make 2018 your best year yet? For some of us, we need to answer the question, what do you need to stop doing to make 2018 your best year yet and once again guys there's no bible verse i can't show you a bible verse for this It's something that i received and i thought it was a great way i did it for for me and for my for my family for the church i think it was a great way to reflect on what happened in 2017 celebrate that and then also to plan for 2018 now you know why i love this exercise in particular it's because um so often it's difficult for us to come up with the things to celebrate isn't it like What's the first thing that comes to your mind? When you think about, all right, listen to me, what happened in 2017? Oftentimes, what comes to the forefront of our minds are the challenges, are the negative things. Those are the first things that pop into our heads. It's like, yeah, well, we went through this. We had this difficult moment. It was difficult to make ends meet. It was very tough, right? And so, so often we tend to reflect and focus on the difficult things that come up to mind. I've realized that many of us have a hard time coming up with things to celebrate. Because those negative things are the first things that pop into our minds. This exercise is a great way to look at all the blessings that God has given you these past 12 months. While looking at some of the challenges, and then it will help us to plan out for 2018. How to make it the best 2018 ever. Now, when it comes to remembering, I really love what the psalmist said. This is in Psalms chapter 77, verse 11 to 12. It's in your notes, and I'll have it up here on the screen. Because I would love it if we would all read it together. This verse here is kind of the foundation for what we're talking about today as we do Vision on Sunday. Um, Here's what it says, right? Let's read it together. You guys ready? Go. I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. Man, I want you to just take, take your pen real quick and in your notes, circle these words. Look what he said. I will remember why don't you circle the word remember he said the Lord's works yes and then he says it again I will remember the circle the word remember there your ancient wonders then he says I will reflect why don't you guys circle the word reflect on all you have done and then here's the last thing I want you to circle is and meditate circle the word meditate on your actions Look what the psalmist says, I will remember, I will reflect, I will meditate, I will remember, I will reflect, I will meditate. I will remember the things that God has done. And and 2017 has been an amazing year for the life of our church. And today we want to take a look back at all that God has done in this past year. And we want to thank God. We want to thank God for all that He's done in 2017. We want to thank God. We want to celebrate all that he's done this year. And while we do that, I also want to cast a little vision for what I believe lies ahead for 2018. Are you guys ready to journey with me? Are you guys ready to go through this? All right. Let's celebrate all that God has done. By the way, if today, if you want to clap, whatever, if I say something amazing, if I don't say something amazing, if I say something that you want to celebrate, all right, because everything I say is amazing, right? i uh, just kidding. Um, but if I say something that you want to celebrate, go ahead and clap it out, okay? I think that'll be fun, all right? It'll be fun if we do that. But one of the most common questions that I get asked all the time when it comes to the church is, why, why the name Swerve Church? I get that question all the time. In fact, I bet you that some of you here today are sitting right there, and you had that question, and you didn't muster enough uh, courage to ask. Why the name Swerve? What's with the name, Right? In fact, I was with the I was on the phone with somebody with some church-related business, whatever. On the phone, and they asked me, "Okay, give me the information of the church. What's the name of the church?" And so I said, like, "Okay, the name is Swerve Church." And then, and then she—there was like this awkward silence. She's like, and then she says, "Swerve Church?" I said, "Yes." She's like, "So y'all get your swerve on at church, huh?" He told me. I said, "Yeah, I guess. I guess if you want to think of it like that, I guess so." But the reason we named this it Swerve—it's all in the name. Okay, the, the definition of swerve is this. It's an abrupt change in direction. It's an abrupt change in direction. And that's exactly what we're praying to see in the lives of many people right here in our community. An abrupt change in direction. And perhaps the best way that we can illustrate this is by using an illustration that Jesus himself used in Matthew chapter 7. He gives us this um, this illustration. Basically, somebody... Um, he wanted to explain, he wanted to give us this understanding of what exactly this means, that he brings about the illustration of a narrow gate and a wide gate, a narrow path and a wide path. And so it's super, super interesting. Let's look at it, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Here's what it says, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it, but how narrow is the gate? And difficult the road that leads to life and few find it so check this out look what Jesus is saying he's saying that there's two roads right there's, there's these two paths everyone is on one of two roads if you're here today you are on one of these two roads you're either on the broad and wide road or you're on the narrow road one is easier to walk on and the other one is way more difficult And Jesus goes on to say that most people are on which road? On the broad, right? On the wide road. It's the easy one to take. But where does Jesus say that that path ultimately leads you? He says it leads you to, that's right, to destruction. He says it leads you to destruction. On the other hand, there's a path that is harder, it's more narrow, and it's the road less traveled because it's more difficult, but that's the path that ultimately leads to life. You see, that narrow path represents the person that seeks out a life surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's the path that leads ultimately to life in Him. That's the path that offers forgiveness of sin. That's the path that offers a promise of eternity in the presence of our Creator. But few people are on that path. And well, that's why I believe by God's grace, we are Swerve Church creating an abrupt change in direction because there's a lot of people on that broad and wide path and we want to we want to swerve them onto the right path. We want to bring them onto the path that ultimately leads to life in Christ. Our mission as a church, ever since the very beginning, has been the very same thing. In fact, um, you should have this memorized. Most of you uh, should. Um, here's what it says. Why don't you guys read it with me then you can fill in the blank. You guys ready? Read it with me. Go. To lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ that's been our mission as a church from the very beginning you can go ahead and fill that in um, in your notes to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ now listen this is not original to me and it's not original to anybody because it's a command that Jesus left before he ascended into heaven after um, after his death on the cross and his resurrection he hangs around with the disciples and a few people before he ascends into heaven and he says this before I read it in your notes if you guys will notice um, there's a mistake. It says Matthew um, 11, 28. It's actually Matthew 28, 19. Would you guys do me a favor? Cross out the little 11 and 28 and then put 28, chapter 28, verse 19. There's a little typo there. So if you guys would just do me the favor of correcting that for me. But here's what it says. It says this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said right before he said, he said, go therefore and make disciples. What's a disciple? It's a fully devoted follower of Christ. And from the very beginning, we've set out to be a life-giving gospel-centered church because we know that ultimately the power is found in Jesus. He has the power to forgive. He has the power to heal. He has the power to restore. There's no power in a sermon all by itself. There's no power in the Bustelo coffee in the back. There's no power in the technology failing like it did during worship. There's no power in that. Do you know where the power is? The power is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so from the very beginning, we've said that we want to be a life-giving, gospel-centered church, a church that is founded upon the gospel of Jesus Christ because He has the power to restore And by the grace of God, if you guys want to celebrate now, we've seen nine professions of faith this year alone in the church in 2017. Nine people who took the courage to check off, make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior on the back of their connection cards in 2017. Nine people, guys, that made a decision to follow Christ. In addition to that, as a church, we were able to celebrate five individuals who went public with their faith through the act of baptism. Five people that said, I want to go public with my faith. Sign me up. Get me done. I want to do it. This is the most recently, a couple weeks ago, where we did it most recently. Now, baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. It's an important next step for us as believers to follow for a couple reasons. Number one, because we want to obey Jesus, right? You want to obey what he said. And one of the last things he said was to Go and baptize people. All right, it's one of the things he said. And so one of the last commands that he left us, and we want to obey Jesus and follow his commands. But secondly, is because it's a public declaration of our faith. Now, now listen, when when you when we when we do um, at the end of our, our message and I say, if you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, check it off on the back of your list. I do that very intentionally because that decision is between you and God. And then we as a church, we want to know about it so that we can come alongside you and support you and put resources into your hands, love you and celebrate with you. But that's a private decision. But when you get baptized... It's a public declaration. It's no longer just you and God knowing I made the decision to follow Jesus. Now you let the world know. You declare to your friends. You declare to your family. You declare to your church family that you've decided to follow Jesus. And you've put in your faith. You've put your faith in him. And that's why we celebrate baptism. And so if you're here today and you've put your faith in Jesus, but you haven't publicly declared your faith through the act of baptism, then we want to help you as a church. We want to help you take that next step. In fact, on the back of the connection card, it's one of the next steps that you are able to take today. If you want, you check that off. You let us know. We'll follow up with you. We'll answer any questions that you might have. And I would love for 2018 to be another year of more people publicly declaring their faith Amen. through the act of baptism. We want to come alongside you. want to celebrate with you. want to help you take that next step. Now, another area that we've grown in as a church is in generosity. And one of our core values is this. Let's read it out loud. You guys can read it with me. Ready? Go. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. It's one of our core values. And you hear us talk about this every single week at the church. We say we will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. We get that straight from the Bible as well. Believe it or not, it's in the, the book of Acts. This is a quote that's attributed to Jesus himself. In fact, if you have a red letter Bible, this phrase, this sentence is in red letters because Jesus said it himself. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, because he said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why don't you guys just underline that quote right there, the very last part of that verse. Now listen, when we talk about generosity and money and resources and all this, this is when you really start to get nervous, right? People start to sweat, their palms get sweaty, they begin to squirm in their seat, but before you do, hear me out, okay? The church doesn't want to steal your money. The church doesn't want to steal your money. And I have to, I know that we have to like untangle the mess that so many other churches and pastors have tangled when it comes to money and resources. And, you know, people, you know, God wants to bless your socks off. So give me a million dollars and God will bless you and blah, 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 whatever. That's all you see on TV. And even, you know, unfortunately, the Christian um, channels, even those, all it is, is give me your money, give me your money. Listen, the church doesn't want to steal your money. Okay. But as a church. And as your pastor, I do want you to be a good manager. I want you to be a good manager of the resources that God has given you. And the biblical term that we use for this is stewardship. It's stewardship. The stewardship of our resources is a discipleship issue. It's a discipleship issue because there's a correlation between your heart and your finances. There's a correlation between your heart and your finances. This is how it says it in the Bible. Once again, these are the words um, of Jesus. And he says this during the famous Sermon on the Mount. You guys know the famous Sermon on the Mount. It actually begins in Matthew chapter 5. doesn't finish till chapter 7. It's three chapters in your Bible. Smack dab in the middle. In Matthew chapter 6, we read this. Why don't we read this verse out loud. Ready, go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Unfortunately, so many have their treasure stored up in the wrong place. And because of that, their hearts are in the wrong place as well. And one of the ways that we can be sure to have our hearts in the right place and make sure that our priorities are in check is through the biblical principle of the tithe. Now, we did a whole series on this earlier in the year. It's up on the podcast if you want to listen to it. Um, It's called Making Change, and it's on the podcast. You can listen to it. But in a nutshell... We teach about the principle of the tithe as a principle that's set out in Scripture. It's a principle. It's not a law. It's not something you have to do. It's a good place to start. It's kind of the way the Bible talks about it. And it helps to keep our priorities in place. Why? Because where your treasure is, there's your heart also. And as a church, we um, we wouldn't preach something that we don't practice. Did you guys know that as a church, we tithe? The church tithes, we also give. We don't only give to local missions and other, you know, work that we do around the community. For example, the stuff that we've done in and around the neighborhood, like the Colt um, Drive that we did recently and all these activities that we do around the community, we give to that. But we also give to national and global missions. We do so through organizations like Samaritan's Purse. You guys remember back in November, you filled up the shoebox with gifts And they ship it halfway around the world, and they bring the gospel to to kids in some countries that normally wouldn't have the opportunity to hear the gospel and receive a Christmas gift. We do it through Charity Water. Last week, I asked you guys to to check in, and the church would donate $3 for every check-in that we did last year. Charity Water does clean water projects all over the world for those countries that don't have any clean drinking water. They go and they build a well. They bring clean water to these places. We also gave to Send Relief. And you guys know all the devastation that happened this year in Texas, Florida, and Puerto Rico. Send Relief was there. And we were able to support them so that they can help bring relief to the families that lost so much during these tragedies. Beyond that, guys, we also give to church planting through the BCNY, the MNYBA, and through NAM. There's a bunch of acronyms that you don't know what they mean or whatever. But basically, they, church, they plant churches in metro New York in New York City, and all throughout North America. These are the organizations that we plant. Guys, we're less than two years old, and we are giving to church plants all across North America. It's it's amazing. And as a church, check this out, guys. We were able to give 13% of our budget towards mission this year. We we talk about the biblical type. We went above and beyond that as a young church. We gave 13% towards mission. Guys, it's amazing. Us. Little of us were able to do so much. That's over $1,700 that we've been able to give to national, local, and global missions. Now, I love that as a church, we can lead the way with the rational generosity because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, I'm praying that next year we might even be able to do even more because by God's grace, as the family grows, We can do more, right? As the the family grows, we can do even more. How many want to be a part of a church that's irrationally generous, right? Don't you want to be a part of that church? Well, it begins with us as individuals being irrationally generous. Now, there's three things that we do as a church. Um, It's printed on the back of your bulletin. You probably see it every week. You might be tired of looking at it already. But it's this. Why don't we read it out loud? Ready? Go. We will love God, love people, and serve our community. You can go ahead and fill in the blank there in your notes. Now, as you fill that in, I, I heard this question um, a while ago and it haunted me. You know, it like, it frightened me. The question was this. Have you ever heard this This question? If the doors of your church close tomorrow, would anyone in the community miss it? If the doors of your church close tomorrow, would anybody in the community miss it? Unfortunately, for many churches in Bushwick and all over New York City, the answer is no. Unfortunately, nobody would miss it. But for Swerve, for we want to be a church that's present in our community. We want to love and we want to serve people right where they're at. Something I say all the time is that people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But even beyond that, beyond that little cute phrase or whatever, the gospel compels us to love and serve our neighbors. Um, Look at what it says in Mark chapter 12. Let me give you some context. Somebody came up to Jesus and they asked Jesus, hey, what are the top two commandments, Jesus? Can you give it to me? Can you? What are they? What's the top two? Here's what Jesus said. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other command greater than these. And I would love if you guys would just underline the part that says love your neighbor as yourself. You see, as a church in this community, we want to be a church that's present, that's loving and serving our community, that is there for this community. And this year, by God's grace, we were able to host five mission teams this year. And with those teams, we were able to do adopt the blocks That's where we actually swept people's sidewalks around in the community, helping out the landlords and the supers with the cleanup. We were able to do park cleanups with these teams. We went to Maria Hernandez Park and Irving Square Park to clean up um, in those parks. This is one that I'm really excited about. We were able to serve the students and the teachers. Guess what? Right here, PS 299. We came to this school to serve the teachers here and serve the students and 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 uh, help. We we serve lunch to the staff and to Miss Principal Kirk and to everybody here to love and serve on the on the teachers and the kids. In March, we had that crazy snowfall in March. You guys remember that? We shovel driveways, we shoveled sidewalks, helped people get unstuck, pushed cars out of uh, when they were treading, the the tires were spinning in the the snow. We were able to do all that earlier in March. And we gave lunch to the homeless at Maria Hernandez Park. It's amazing because as a church, we want to love and serve our community. We hosted two huge events this year. Tell me if you guys remember this. We hosted the Bushwick Concert and Festival. You guys remember that? We had a team to help us put on that. And we hosted our first ever Easter egg hunt. Uh, how many remember how chaotic that was, right? That was pretty crazy. We also hosted three movie nights this summer at Irving Square Park. And we had our second annual coat distribution event, which many of you guys came out to support and to help and to serve, which I'm so, so appreciative of that. Now, between all those events, this is a super conservative number because there's really no way to know. I know it was probably way more than this, but we were able to serve well over 1,200 people at all of these events this past year. And that's not even mentioning the events that we've participated in with other community organizations like uh, uh, the Shape Up Bushwick with our local community board or like uh, the Thanksgiving outreach that just happened a few weeks ago with Ten NYC. Imagine the countless amount of people that we were able to love and serve as a church because you gave, because you serve, were able to go and love and serve these people. Next year, by God's grace, I hope that we can do even more than that. You guys think we can do more than that? You think we can reach more? I'm really hoping that we can. We're already on our way to having two teams. We already have two teams booked for next year that are going to come back. We're looking to hopefully get a few more. In addition to the Easter egg hunt, we want to do a back-to-school Backpack giveaway you guys think we can do that. I would love if we can do a backpack giveaway and bless the kids right in this school and give 20 30 40 kids if we can a backpack Because a lot of the kids in this school. I don't know if you guys know a lot of them are coming from single parent homes. A lot of them are coming from shelters and they come to school right here. So I would love if we don't only use this church, we don't only use this school as our church on Sunday, but that we're like missionally engaging and impacting the lives of the kids and the families and the teachers right here in this building. Beyond that, we're also planning to have our first ever fall festival next year in the fall. Really looking forward to that. Now, with these type of outreaches, what do we hope to accomplish? Danny, why do we do that? Why do we put so much money into those mission projects? And why do we do that? Because... We want to serve our community. We want to meet people right where they are. Guys, you cannot expect people to bum rush the doors of the church. It doesn't happen that way. You need to meet people right where they are. You need to go to them. And in these outreaches, what we're going to do, we're going to show them God's love. We are going to give them a glimpse of Jesus. And ultimately, what we want to do is invite them into relationship, invite them into family. Because if they're able to be a part of the family, guess what? I know that they're going to hear the gospel and they'll have the best opportunity to respond to the gospel and Jesus can change their lives forever. You guys believe that? You guys with me in that? All right, so that's what we want to see. That's what we want to accomplish in that. So we celebrated a bunch of stuff right now. We celebrated all the numbers, the baptisms and salvations and blah, blah, blah. But while we celebrate all those measurables, there's some things that we can't measure, right? There's some things that we simply don't know. There's the intangibles, that we have to celebrate as well. There's those those type of things. Those intangibles aren't things that you can put like a, a number or a dollar sign on, right? There's some intangible things we got to celebrate that as well. For example, here we uh, we've seen an increase in service, both here locally at the church and also at our various outreaches. More of you are coming out to serve, to serve the local church and to serve um, to serve those that are in need in our in our community through our outreaches. Um, And that's an amazing thing. Listen, if you want to measure the health of a church, don't count the number of butts and seats. Okay, that's not a good way to measure the health of a church. Instead, look at how many are on mission. Look at how many are being the hands and feet of Jesus. How many are getting off their seat and making an impact and sharing Jesus to their neighbors and to their friends. That's how you measure. So can we take out a moment to thank those that have been stepping up to serve with our kids, to st- serve in hospitality, to serve in worship on Sundays? I want to thank you. Can we just take out a moment and thank everybody that's been serving here at the church locally? I want to thank you, every single one of you that have been stepping up to serve with the kids, with worship, in hospitality, or with, uh, with the roadies setting up and tearing down. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank you so much for serving. We so, so appreciate you and we need you. The church desperately needs you. Um, and this is why we say this around here. Would you guys read this with me? We say this all the time. Ready, go. We're not spiritual consumers, we're spiritual contributors. We don't simply go to church. We are the church and we exist for the world. And if I had to add to that, I would say that we are the church and we exist. For each other, you see, you have something to offer the local church. You have a gift. You have a talent. You have an opportunity that God's placed into your hands to be a blessing to your local church, to be a blessing to your community. You know, in so many of Paul's writings, he refers to the local church body made up of many parts. He talks about the church as the body made up of many parts, and each job has its, each part has its job to do, and each part exists to serve the other here's how Paul here's how Peter said it let's read this verse out loud first Peter 4:10 ready go just as each one has received the gift use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God but you guys just underlined the part which says use it to serve others so when you withhold your God-given gift from the local representation of the body of Christ aka the church, You are preventing those around you from being blessed. You have something to offer. I need you. Those that are around you need you. Those that are yet to come through these doors, they need you. We all need one another. And God has blessed each and every single one of us with a a talent, with a skill, with, with an ability, with a gift that we can utilize to bless, encourage one another. Now, you may be sitting there and asking Danny, Well, what, what, what do I do? What, what is it for me? Well, I'm glad you asked. Inside of your bulletin, if you open it up on the right side, there's a list of different opportunities that you have to serve here at the church. Some of it is with our roadies, some of it is with the setup and teardown crew, um, some of it is really fun stuff like social media. Uh, Maybe if you're a a photographer or a videographer and you have those skills and abilities, you want to take pictures and help us tell the story of Swerve Church through social media, you can do that as well. If you love kids and you're passionate about kids, we want to have you serving with the children as well. There's different ways that you can plug in and that you can serve. The back of your connection card is a way to let us know and to write that down. And, uh, And we love, we love for you to step up and use the gift that God has given you to serve others. Now, there's, uh, there's another intangible thing that we have to uh, talk about, and that is that we've grown. We've grown both spiritually and we've grown in loving one another. In other words, in building relationships. How do you measure that? Like, do you just measure like how many people talk to each other after service or whatever? How, how do you measure the growth in love and the growth in, in spirituality and in, in closeness to God? How do you measure that? It's difficult to measure. You can't really put a dollar sign. You can't put a number to that. But if I had to use something to measure it, I'd say that it would be through our life groups, through our life groups. This year, we had two semesters of life groups. We had a spring and a fall group this year. And in case you don't know, life groups are a time that we get together outside of a Sunday. We share a meal. We share a conversation. We share laughs. We have a good time with one another. We take a dive into a discussion of what we spoke about on Sunday um, and we spend some time praying for one another. They usually last about a total of six weeks. So we had two of those this year. And it's a super important part of what we do here because it helps us grow both vertically and horizontally. In other words, it helps us, it helps us experience growth spiritually and also relationally. That's why life groups are so important. You know, I love what is said of the early church in the book of Acts. You know, these guys were so in love with Jesus and so passionately pursuing Him that as a natural result, there was the pursuit of one another. Let's read this verse out loud. It's our last verse for today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You guys ready? Read. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It's amazing that they so passionately loved Jesus. And they so passionately pursued him that the natural overflow was time with one another. It was encouraging each other. It was sitting to the teaching of God's word. It was breaking bread, eating together. Next year, what I would love, I would love to grow from two semesters of life groups to three semesters. We'll have, we'll keep our spring and our fall groups. And then I want to add an abbreviated four-week semester during the summer. It'll be like an outdoor summer barbecue type of life group. We'll get together in the park. We'll barbecue it up. We'll have a good time. But it's so that we can stay connected during the summer for four weeks. Why? Because we are better together. We are better together. And if you really want to know what my big dream is, what I really hope is that we might grow from one group to two groups. That's from one living room to two living rooms. It would be awesome if we can see double the living room, see double the impact In our community is what I'm praying to see and it's so important because we are better together as I wrap up our time here's what I want to say for 2018 here's what I want to see we will continue to be a life-giving gospel-centered church it's all all about and it's always been about Jesus we will continue to love God love people, and serve our community because we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community and let people know that there's a God that loves them and we're going to show it to them. We will continue to lead the way with irrational generosity because it is truly more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we will continue to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And that's our promise for 2018 as a church. That's what we want to continue to do. And hopefully you guys are on board to continue in this mission to do just that so that we can impact more lives and reach more people for the sake of Jesus Christ. You guys ready for that for 2018? Listen, if you're here today and uh, and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, that's the first and foremost you can forget everything else I said. This is the most important thing that you have to listen to. Because the Bible says that we are sinful by nature and choice. The Bible says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We all fall short of His glorious standard and we all sin. And the wages of sin is death. What you and I deserve because of our sin, because of our flaw, is death and eternal separation from God, which is a fate far worse than death itself. But you see, God loved you so much that He sent His one and only Son to come and live the life that you could not live and die the death that you and I deserve. The one and only perfect sacrifice on the cross was Jesus Christ Himself paying for the penalty of your sin. And on that cross, in His tears, in His pain, and in His death, we experience the forgiveness of our sin. But then three days later, he conquered Satan's sin and death, and he rose from the grave. And in his life, we can experience a newness of life. And if you're here today, and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, the Bible says, all you need to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you can experience salvation, forgiveness of sin, and newness of life. And if you haven't done that today, then I want to invite you to do that today. Start off 2018 right by making this decision to follow jesus on the back of your connection card All you have to do is check that off. Let us know It's a decision between you and god and then us as a church. We just want to come alongside you love you support you Encourage you and help you take your next steps. Would you guys join me in praying? God, thank you so much lord for all that you've done in 2017 forgive us for being um, so quick to forget God, all the things that you've done, We're it's so difficult for us to celebrate because we tend to focus on all the negative things that are in front of us. But God, we want to start off 2018 with a grateful heart, remembering, reflecting, meditating on all the things that you've done. Giving you thanks, God, for everything that you've done. Thank you for what you've done in the life of this church. Thank you, God, for what you've doing in the lives of each and every single one of us here. I pray, God, to con- I continue to pray for your blessing over each and every single one, God, that we may bring you all the glory, all the honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.